Hi, welcome back to the Ramble Room. This is Diane. Welcoming myself back, I guess. I'm the one who hasn't been here for a really long time. Today we're talking to Charlie Cole. How are you? I haven't seen you for a while either. Great, great. Do you want to tell us what we're talking about today? Well, as uh, some of the regular listeners to the Ramble Room realize, um, quite often you're kind enough to invite me back uh, a little bit after the publication of each monthly Wyoming Conservative Chronicle to talk about a little bit flesh out a few more details of the article that uh, the current issue had. In the August Wyoming Conservative Chronicle, I wrote an article about debates, Congra- uh, candidate debates. It's been something that's been a burr under my saddle for about 25 years. Um, and for those of you who did read the article, you'll recall that uh, we listed a, quite a few examples of shall we say, super biased moderators in these debates. And the question that I posed is, when, oh, when uh, is the Republican Party ever going to just say, stop it, it's enough? The RNC made a statement back in April of this year, I believe, where they said, well, we've had enough of this type of, this format, et cetera. It all emanated from the 1985 or 87 uh, bipartisan presidential committee on debates. And it was about as bipartisan as the select committee on in the Congress right now. Uh, unfortunately, not only has that affected presidential debates, but it's bled down to all of the down-ballot ballot debates that you see, quote-unquote debates. The, one of the examples that just really frosted me was... Uh, was uh, the congressional debate in Sheridan. And I used an example where the great Bob Beck of Wyoming PBS asked a super loaded question of everyone there. So, well, you guys all seem to be saying that you know, this about, about January 6th, but I'm hearing that people are very concerned about this. So I wonder if you, so that's the kind of, that's the kind of misdirection play that these moderators have been used. I mean, I mean, I watched my first debate and you don't need to, need to guess at my age, but I watched my first debate when I was pretty young. Was that Lincoln and Douglas? No, but it was close. It was, uh, I wish it had been. I wish we'd have never gone away from that. That's right. Uh, it was Kennedy Nixon, and I watched it, and I listened to it on the radio as well. Uh, but uh, ever since then, I mean, it's just been regular, like clockwork. It's gotten worse, worse. That's why the 87 Commission was put together, to maybe uh, get some professionalism in the debate because it was just a it was a swimming suit contest what it was oh look how nice john kennedy looks i think i'll vote for but unfortunately the press as usual got inserted into the process and as we know about the media they are the pundits they are the experts on everything on this planet so you just look at the at the article and the ones that i i didn't bring with me but you look at it and look at the ones that we mentioned in there you know the the, the standard group and I think I suggested in the article, the Republicans, if you're going to do this, well, you just might as well have these people sign a, uh, a, a declaration statement before the de- debate begins. Hi, my name is John Q. Public, and I am a moderator, and I have uh, voted uh, for the Democrat candidate the last four elections, et cetera. So then at least you know what you're dealing with. They come on this facade like, oh, we're going to ask these sophisticated questions. Those I really love, too. Let's see now. You have two minutes to solve the Middle East. Go. Really? 
Okay. That's the kind of stuff that you get out of these debates. Uh, the other debate that was very, in my mind, was very unfortunate for, for me personally was the Wyoming gubernatorial debate in, I think it was Riverton or Lander, somewhere down there. Um, given the moderators, I took one look around the room. I said, okay, I see where this is going. And sure enough, the, the position of governor of Wyoming, at least to us in this state, should be serious enough where we should ask serious questions about serious things. And it always devolves into, now we're going to play a word association game. I'm going to say a word, and then you, the first thing pops into your mind, flag. Uh, I mean, this is, this is beyond ridiculous. It's, it's just become a circus, and it's got to change. So I say to the Republicans all that to say this. There are ways that you can do this. Our model, I think, should be Christy Nome in South Dakota, who announced, I'm not going to debate. I think it was South Dakota's version of PBS. She said, we're going to host a debate. And she said, good, have a nice time. And her spokesman came out and said, we're not going to participate in this debate because we know the far left-leaning of this organization. We know that they're going to try to turn this into a cage fight. We're not going to play. And she didn't. This is the second time that she's done this. So it can be done. Uh, it takes a little intestinal fortitude to do it. I think one of the best ways to do it would be Mr. Hopefully soon to be legislator. I think if one of the priorities for the Wyoming uh, Freedom Caucus, if you will, should be to once and for all get rid of or seriously modify Title 22 of the Wyoming Code. That's the election code, the 248-page election code that's got everything you can imagine in it. One of the things that it does have in it is it's, it, they've got enough poison pills to make sure that the Republican Party cannot run its own primary. Well, the Democrats can't either, and they say, so what? We'll just invade yours. Well, that has got to change. It has got to change, and it's got to be something that the legislature does. If we're going to say we're a Republican legislature, really? Well, now it's time to put on your your big boy conservative pants and go down there and get this done because this is ridiculous. I mean, if the Republican Party could run it, that Brian Miller, our, our local uh, chairman, has told me, and he's said it in public, we are forbidden by law as a Republican Party to endorse candidates. The first time I heard that was about four years ago. I said, what? Until after the primary, yes. I said, what? So now, as I, as I was mentioning before we went on air, I... I went into the polling place last Tuesday and um, got my ballot. First thing I checked in, make sure I got the right ballot, because uh, I've never voted for a Democrat in my life, probably, and I never will. But it was said Republican primary ballot. So I'm looking it over, make sure I've got the right one for the right district. Mark Jennings, yeah, okay, good, let's mark that. And before marking the others, I looked down on the ballot, and I see a bunch of these Republican precinct Committeemen, Republican precinct committee women in, in my precinct. And, I, and I, I thought to myself, well, there it is. That's the other issue, this crossover nonsense, because now we have Democrats who come in late, I think, to the party, but still they come in, they re-register as quote-unquote Republicans, and they help decide who's, who our candidate's going to be in November, including who our own precinct committee people are going to be. 
Now, if that's not that's not jumping the shark, that jumped the whale right there for me. That's totally ridiculous. I have two answers for you. One is the legislature has been working, there have been a number of bills proposed over the last few sessions to try to correct this, but as long as we maintain the existing leadership, that cabal down there, it's never going to change because that's how they win their elections. So they're going to take that, give it to a committee of their choosing where it will die either in committee or get back to the main desk, be stuck in a drawer, and we never have time to get to it. That's number one. We need to change the leadership. With the election, the way that it came out is just about a dead heat right now, and it's going to be really interesting to see who the next Speaker of the House is. The second one, I don't know if you had an opportunity to see or to attend, I don't believe I saw you there, the gubernatorial debate, and it actually was a debate, that was put on in Buffalo. And David Iverson wrote the questions for it. They had time to do a little bit of back and forth in an actual debate fashion. They were good questions. We're going to be doing more of that sort of thing. That's why David does what he does. That's why we're here at the Ramble Room. And we've got great minds like Tom Kelly who are here to help put this together. And so there are efforts being made to solve the things that you bring up. Tom, you've got some background in politics and in forums and in political thought. What's your comment? Well, first, as far as changing the election law, because that's the last thing we were talking about, as somebody who was an actual grassroots candidate who didn't have the endorsements of like the Wyoming realtors or any other major source of money, I really didn't have a chance to get to know voters until all the meet and greet and forums that were in July. Lo and behold, voting started July 1st. So there was never time to get the traction I needed to actually get into it. So early voting six weeks out is ridiculous. There's no reason people should be voting before most counties even had a chance to parade the candidates out and get to meet people. If people can't make it within a two-week window, let's say voting starts the 1st of August, that's what absentee ballots are for. So six weeks of voting is ridiculous. Second, there have to be runoff elections. It looks like we're going to have a, a leader of the Senate who had a majority of voters not want him come back. Um, runoff elections are absolutely crucial. So we stop having people who are in the governor's seat. We stop having people who are the next superintendent. We stop having people in the legislature who a mo- majority of Republicans said, no, I don't want this person. But they sneak on in. Because they're well-funded, they get their names out, they've got their professionally made flyers and signs and commercials out, and the voting starts and their name's already all over the place before anyone actually gets to meet a grassroots conservative. Take, take your race, for example. There were three, four players in that race, and nobody had over 50%. Exactly. So now we have a runoff with Megan, we have a runoff with Brian. Who do you think is going to win that? Now, that's a tough one. That's a tough one in the fact that I say there was a fourth candidate in there. There were five candidates, but only four had substantial amount of votes. Unfortunately, I was one of them, even though I dropped out almost three weeks before the election. But there was a candidate to the left of Megan who got about 13,000 votes. So I'm assuming most of those would have gone towards Megan. 
most of my votes probably would have gone towards Brian. Not sure. It'd be nice to find out, though, wouldn't it? Exactly. And then at least if Megan still won, she could say, I won with 51, 53% of the vote, not 40 or 41. But, Tom, in that scenario, would you in a runoff have this crossover voting nonsense to deal with? Well, that's the greatest thing about a runoff. That would eliminate the incentive for crossover voting because why bother doing that when your candidate that you get through into the runoff is just going to lose anyway? So, they, yeah, the Democratic Party should definitely support runoffs because if they want to grow in Wyoming, they would grow greatly if we could get liberal Republicans who are actually Democrats because they want to be in power and they know they can't win with a D by their name in this state. The Democratic Party would grow if we had runoff elections. So they think the Dems would be all for this in the state because then you'd have all these Republicans realizing that they can no longer win with 37% of the vote to become governor. By the way, I say this every time we get together, and it's just a private pet peeve of mine. I wish we would all collectively stop using the word liberal. These people are about as liberal as... Uh, there's nothing liberal. Okay, about yeah, these you got me. You got me on that one because, in the classical sense, I am a screaming liberal. Right, right. Yeah, but the, these are yeah socialists. Yeah, I just I, right. I, I now have lumped them together. I'm trying to get another book out, and I I've decided to call them all what they really are and have been since the days of the French Revolution, collectivists. That's what they are. Socialists, collectivists, statists, whatever. But you see, centralized power. The difference is not all collectivists are socialists. Not all collectivists are communists, but all socialists and communists are collectivists. Yeah, absolutely. It's the umbrella that they all fit underneath. But anyway, that's just a minor little side point. Well, I, I agree with your point as to, now, as far as the, the runoffs, the traditional uh, rhino answer to that has been, oh, how do we pay for oh, that? It'll be so expensive. But how do we pay for But that? we have money to expend Medicaid, but we can't pay for <laughs> runoffs. I, I'll tell you how we pay for it. When we have a majority of conservatives in the legislature, that's how you pay for it because the budget will be so much trimmer. And I think maybe an idea came up. Uh, I don't know if any of you were at the uh, – I know you were out campaigning. You probably were too still when they held that one down at the Powderhorn to get together. But a fellow stood up and he said, you know, one of the things we really need to start looking at is a, an honest-to-gosh Republican Wyoming GOP pack." A serious effort. Now, there are several ways you can do that, but that would be one way to garner the funds to also help pay for that if the Republican Party, again, back to Title 22, were in charge of its own primaries. We're not in charge of it now. That's got to change. The crossover voting, I'm sorry, I've lived in a lot of different places in the United States, and I get this cycle, you know, it was the Cheney thing. Everybody's calling me and texting me and everything. What do you think is going to But when I tell people from California even that how ours runs, the primary, the answer generally is, what? Mm-hmm. And when you explain to them what that means, I can go in as a, I can walk in there as a, as a frog and declare myself an elk. And then when I leave, I go back to froghood. They say, you've got to be kidding me. That doesn't make sense. That's ridiculous. I said, that's right. And that's got to change. This is why I say, and I'm going to write about it in a September article, unfortunately, and talk about leadership changes, the leadership change won't come until 
the numbers are there for them to come. And the numbers are driven by the pure numbers that they are. The example, there was the one bill, I forget what it was, that they managed to delay it, defer it by committee assignment, et cetera, until the very end. <clears throat> I forget which title it was. It might have dealt with education, CRT. It might have dealt with something else. I don't remember. But the, right at the end, the Wyoming legislature, the House, has to have two-thirds of the members vote to put something on the floor of the House. Now, run the numbers. In that legislature, there were 60 House members. 52 of them had R's after their name, and they couldn't get the 40 votes to bring it up. As a matter of fact, I think all they got was 35. There's the problem. And until that changes, you're going to spin your wheels. And I've got another suggestion for all the Wyoming conservatives. One mistake we make as citizens, wherever we are, I think, is that we've been conditioned uh, to think, okay, we go, 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 and the election cycle. Once the election cycle's over, okay, we've done our job. Now, here's yours. No. Wrong. Wrong. We have to foster active patriotic citizenship 24-7, 365, forever, given what we're facing in this country and in this state. And until and unless we do that, we're not going to get there. One way that you start doing that is, okay, we've got a bunch of candidates now that are going to November with R's after their name, okay? Get out, wherever you're listening to this from, go and contact publicly your, rep, your Republican nominee for whatever the office is and ask them a few questions for the record. You want to be a public official? We want your answers on the record as to, for example, do you think crossover voting makes sense or is it basically wrong? And if you think it's wrong, are you willing to commit today to support every honest and serious effort to get it done? Don't, don't tell me you're going to vote for, for another study or kick the can. To, no, no, it's time to do it right now. Yes or no. And if you say yes, realize we're watching you. We've got YOLeg, we've got YOVote.com, and we're not going to stop watching you. It's called accountability. And unless we build that into this system, we're going to spin our wheels quite a bit. So there's three or four questions I put in the article. Just as I'm sure you could think of ten that I've never thought of. But to me, two of them that have to be asked to, of every legislative candidate is number one, crossover voting. Where do you stand? Will you commit? Number two, Title 22. You know how the Republican Party has its hands tied in these primary elections by Title 22. That's not in the Constitution. It's statutory. You and the legislature can change it, and you need to change it. What's your view of it? And will you support, again, a strong, serious, not study it, effort to change that? so that we can get a hold of our... The, the parties need to run their own primaries. It's that simple. Yeah, they're, they're independent organizations. They're not a government organization. They're a private business. They need to be treated as such. And it's not good. If, can you imagine the lunacy of having a private corporation that had a dozen partners, but every time you get together to have a vote on how we're going to proceed from here on, you have to open up to the public, and all your competition can come in and vote 
on how you run your business. Yeah, that's what I always say. It's a, this whole idea of letting Democrats come in and, and vote in Republican primaries. It's it's like McDonald's allowing Burger King to pick their board of directors. Exactly. Oh, you want one stronger example? Sure. That'd be sort of like asking Adolf Eichmann who he's going to vote for for the Israeli Knesset. I mean, we're really, we're, this is so obvious. It's so blatant. And yet, as you say, that leadership down there, that snake bit, has been able to stuff things in drawers. And it's, I've asked Mark Jennings, who's been my representative now, thank God for quite some time. Mark and I are very good friends. And I've asked him many times, how in the world does this happen? He says, well, and he's given me the lecture and the lesson. They have the power down there to just yep. stuff it in a drawer and you'll never see it. And our goal, as I've stated many times, our goal during this cycle, we ran 30, 32 conservatives across the state in many races. We didn't pick up quite as many as our goal was, but we're right now, right on that threshold, 26, 27 conservatives. Mm -hmm. And if we can sway, and we're there backroom conversations going on now, if we can sway enough moderates to see things our way, we would finally have that leverage. We could change the leadership. We could put Representative Jennings in as the Speaker of the House, and I can't wait till he opens up that drawer and sees all the things that are collecting <laughs> dust in there, <laughs> blows them off, and, and we start correcting some of these things. And he also takes a fresh look at some of the nonsense that has been passed and says, let's take another look at some of this. That's, that's one of our promises to each other is that every, for every bill that we bring forward, we need to repeal three, four, five. And that, that in Title 22 would be an ideal deal. You know, here, here we're going to streamline this we're going to take it down from 285 pages to 10 i don't know so i think the first 28 pages of that are definitions of terms like what's an election pardon me we need a legal definition of what an election is please so but back to the point of that, that you made about the runoffs um the worst thing that could possibly happen to the democrats i think some of them I've even heard over the past couple, three years, a couple of Democrats rambling on about the radio about, well, you know, we should look at, uh, since we're the minority party here, we should look at how California does this with their, with their jungle primary. And I thought to myself, yeah, okay, you want to do that? Because just to refresh your memory, in California, that's how Diane, Diane Feinstein was running against another Democrat for Senate last time. Because the two Democrats were the top two vote-getters, the Republican was shut out. So you vote for What would that be in Wyoming? What, what would that look like? How many Democrats are going to be on the ballot? You, uh, <laughs> you, you might have a solid R legislature if that were to happen. Yeah. But again, the R isn't enough. And the moderates that you're talking about, I've heard Brian Miller say this many times. He's been around the state quite a bit over the past several years, and he's traveled it, and he... He has said in public, he says, I guarantee you, you get out there and you get to know the people of Wyoming, this is a conservative state. There is no doubt about it. The people. What the moderates need to be, need to understand is, again, we're going to ask you the same questions that we're going to ask Mark Jennings and Mr. Pendergraf and the rest. Here's the issues. Where do you stand on it? Will you commit to vote in a way that represents the principles and the other question is there's a 20 you're a republican the republican party platform has 20 planks in it are you have you looked at that and do you commit today to support in principle and by your actions 
those principles in that party, in that platform. That's been quite a debate the last few years. And there's been this concept that there needs to be a threshold. You've got to support, and they pull out 80%. If you don't support 80% of it. Well, David and I, when we spoke at the Central Committee, we brought up the point and we used Medicaid expansion. And we started with a few fundamental principles. And if you understand and accept those fundamental principles of conservatism, everything else falls in line. So when you look at those 20 planks, they all are interlocked and they all are dependent upon the same various principles. And so if you have a problem with a couple of those planks, you really aren't conservative. I don't know what you are. I think probably it's not having really thought through those basic principles to their ultimate ends. You kind of like the sound of something, but you like the sound of something else. But until you've actually sat down and thought through them and worked them out to their logical ends, you end up being some sort of a mishmash of confusion. And that does not make for good leadership. Exactly. And the other thing that allows that to happen is, again, the feature of they know very, very well, these guys we're talking about and gals, they know that once the election cycle is over, they can go, we got through that again. Did my duty for the year. We need to all say, "Uh uh-uh. We're, we're going to ask you these questions, and uh, as the Germans say, be, be sure that you understand that we're going to follow up on this. We are going to make sure that you are held accountable for what you promised those voters in your campaign. And if you don't, we're going to be back stronger. In fact, we'll, we'll, we'll make us a little hit list next time. If you're, and if you're at the top of that hit list, I'm going to guarantee you something. You're, you're, you're not going to be very comfortable. That's what we have to do. We have to make these guys with the R's uncomfortable with the R. If you don't like it, change it to a D. Mm-hmm. But don't sit there and enable the D's by your actions, by your votes. Can't Reagan, Reagan used to call it trust but verify. Yeah, Gorbachev hated that when he yeah. said that to him. But anyway, that's another yeah. one. There's, there's another aside. You know, you mentioned another little thing. that I've kidded, I, I always kid my friend Carla Klopfenstein about this, and she says, I know. With my background, you know, again, Russian, Soviet Union, all that kind of stuff, I said, Republican Party, can't we find a term other than central committee? I mean, please. <laughs> well, even the word party kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. bothers me. <laughs> yeah, just, if, trust me, if you've been to those meetings, it's no party. <laughs> but that's the other part of this, and it's, it's, I say it again, it's, it's so ridiculous. When you get these Republican conventions and meetings and all that, You're going to have precinct committee people sitting there participating in those processes who we know, we know how some of them got in there in the Republican precinct. I I don't, uh, Brian said uh, yesterday, I believe it was, when were you guys on with uh, Jeff? Yesterday? I don't remember because it was pre-recorded. I think it aired Saturday. Yeah, at my age, days and months and stuff right together. Uh, he did mention bragging. that we will not have, he will not have, Brian will not have as the chairman. He only have the final final numbers on all these breakouts for out of election office in the 30 days. They have statutorily 30 days to do it. But on the Sheridan County website, all you have to do, if you want to really know the size of this, you go on there and you look at, in Sheridan County, for example, and the Secretary of State, I think, has to publish this also sooner or later for the whole state. 
Uh, number of ballots cast, 11,619. Of that 11,619, 10,997 voted in the Republican primary. 492 voted in the Democrat primary. Now, I'm waiting for some of these frontier folks to explain to me how crossover voting is no big deal. That's 95%. I would love to live in an area where, where the population was 95% Republican. I love that. I've lived in places where it's 90% the other way. That's not fun. But I tell you, just look at the numbers, 95%, 4%. Are you telling me that there's only 4% of this population is Democrat? Okay, so what, what explains the difference? And I think it was on Jeff's – was it Todd Windsor that was on with you guys? Yeah. Was it Todd that brought his son from Montana back? Mm-hmm. He's back in Montana to re-register him? Yeah. He had some interaction with the people at the um, registration desks, and they were telling him stuff like, yeah, I've had – had a few examples of a person coming in saying, I want to, I'm registered Democrat, I want to re-register today as a Republican. Say, okay, fill it out. They go and vote, and they come right back to the desk and say, okay, I want to change back. Now, th- this becomes so overt. I think that is pure and simple fraud right there. I mean, I think the law says something like, uh, they've given the counties a little bit more discretion, and I think even the county says 10 days, I think. Have to check it out, but and they just let it happen. Oh well, okay. Yeah, and and there, I was poll watching in one of the precincts, and there were several people who came in and were just vocal and blatant about it. That I want to change over, so they do it. They vote and then walk out and go. When can I change back? One of them said, "I'd hate to die a Republican." That's funny. My wife threatened me the other day. She says, "You know, if you really make me mad someday," and. Uh, I'm gonna. You get really sick, and you're, I'm in control of your affairs. I'm gonna go down there and register you as a Democrat. And when you die, we'll have one fewer Democrat to worry about around here. But well, you if, know, you, if you die a Democrat, will you just go on for a perpetual eternity? You keep of, voting. Sure. A perpetual eternity of voting in Chicago, right? Sure, Chicago. Try Philadelphia. Good grief. <laughs> well, all these things, you know, we 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 kind of make light of them, but when you really boil it all down, I think this is the way I conclude my September article. Something like. The famous one where Benjamin Franklin came out from the Constitutional Convention. They asked him, well, Dr. Franklin, what did you give us here? And he said the famous line, a republic, if you can keep it. Now, he wasn't talking to other government officials. He was talking to us. He was talking to the people. It isn't up to them to make sure this Constitutional Republic stays. It's up to us, all of us. And either we're going to do it or we're going to live with what comes after it. And as you know, I've seen the end of that movie, personally. You don't want to be anywhere near that. If you think Chicago's bad, try Moscow, 1972. Oh, boy. Well, when we talk about, a lot of times it's a lexicon or the um, vocabulary that we adopt. And the two most evil words right now in American government are our democracy Listen to who says that phrase over and over. MSNBC, CNN, the New York Times, the Democratic Party. the Liz Part- Cheney. Liz Cheney said it. <laughs> if they're saying our democracy, that that is code. I want a national state. And I, I went and talked to people in Niagara County about this in Lusk, talking about the importance of having a federal republic, not a national democracy, and definitely not our democracy, which is just, what, a stone's throw away from a people's democracy? 
like North Korea? Yeah, that's the one that we always laughed at over the years. The, the formal term for East Germany was the German Democratic Republic. It was neither. But that is a good point, and it's something that I think the Republican Party platform even specifies, do they not, that we are a constitutional republic. And you're right. Uh, words do matter. And we know, those of us that have studied this a little bit, we know what they mean when they say democracy. Absolutely, because what's undemocratic in the United States? The Electoral College, the United States Senate, those are very undemocratic. Mm -hmm. Right, just like Franklin wanted. Mm -hmm. And notice the efforts. People don't understand. We're facing some real, real bad. Now, shifting over to the national scene for just a second, <clears throat> I am very worried about the November election in the Senate. Not so much worried about the House, because the closer you get to the, to the people in the House, uh, the more you realize that the voters by congressional district, their primary concern is going to be gas prices, food prices, and the crime in the street, et cetera. We shouldn't have too much trouble in getting 15-cent people. But I'm worried to death about the Senate, because this one, again, should be a slam dunk. I don't like the candidates we have for the Senate in Ohio or in Pennsylvania. Georgia's coming under more and more attack. If we don't take back that Senate by even one vote, one vote, even if we have some dummy like Romney and if Murkowski gets back, whatever, we have to take control of that Senate even by one vote. Otherwise, if it goes 51, 52, 53 on a dark side, let me tell you what you're going to see. You're going to see four more lunatics appointed to the Supreme Court. You're going to see the filibuster rule, which is the only thing that saved us for, so far from nationalization of these elections, go. Wait till they get two more states. They will get that as well. That was number three on my list. You beat me to it. <laughs> when that starts, you see, that's when the whole republic begins to totally collapse because once you, and they're deadly serious about this uh, federal election law, that's going to be a little tougher for them to do if they don't get the House back. But these other things, they can control through Senate. Once they get the filibuster done, Katie bar the door. Look out. We'll close with this. This is from the Republican platform, State of Wyoming. Citizens of the United States are the ultimate authority. Governments possess powers derived only from the consent of the governed. Our constitutional representative republic remains the best political system derived from history and knowledge of human nature to prohibit tyranny, to assure equality of opportunity and protect our individual rights. Good closing. Here's a postscript. Yeah, I can't help it. You mentioned there that the citizens are the ultimate authority. Mm -hmm. I learned a long, long time ago in military education. You, if you have authority over something, you can delegate all the 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 the, uh, uh, the power that you want, but you cannot delegate one gel cap of authority. It's your responsibility, and if the citizens have the authority, the citizens have the responsibility. That is not dealt. Every time one of these people goes on, in a, I don't care if it's in Cheyenne, Washington, D.C., every time they cast a vote, they're voting for us by proxy. 
you just voted the way they voted. It's our responsibility. Either we're going to have to start taking this deadly seriously or we're going to live with the results.